Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hey, what's going on, No Bad Dog Army? Welcome back to the No Bad Dogs podcast. This is a great one. This is one uh, that you guys have been asking for for a while. I think at least it's part of it anyway. This is a podcast about resource guarding and setting a dog up that's making mistakes up for more success or success in general. It's a conversation that I think some of the things that I'm thinking of, uh, and, and just so you know, when I do these podcasts, I literally record them and then put them out. Um, sometimes I do it in a day in advance, but I, I get right into filming the intros or recording the intros right after. So it's fresh in my mind and some things that are popping in my head are letting the dog owners know that it's okay to do certain things to benefit the dog, although they may be upset about it, the people. It's one of those situations where uh, the the dog wants to naturally be on the end of the bed, but the dog owners want the dog there more than the dog wants to be there. So just kind of breaking down those barriers of like, hey, this is what's best for the dog. This is what you need to do and being accountable for that and just letting them know that that's okay. So this is a dog that has a bite history, but it seems like every single incident that has happened with this dog is 1000% controlled and uh, really preventable. And so we go over those things and we talk a little bit about resource guarding. We don't go super in depth with it, but we do talk about uh, having a bite history with resource guarding and the things that they can do to be successful. So that's what this is. Uh, again, big, big, big news on the members club. We are now, I put my team on there. So if you join the, if you join the no bad dog members club and the pro team, which is the highest tier, which is like 39 bucks a month. You guys have access to my actual dog trainers, as well as all of the $100,000 value uh, resources and the dog training videos that you have on there, as well as the community, as well as the weekly live that we do to answer your questions on top of everything else. And one of the big biggest benefits that somebody just got was you guys get uh, first right to seminar releases, tickets, merchandise, etc. Um, somebody actually dropped out of the seminar in LA and it's the biggest event that we're doing. And we put it on the members club and one of the members got the spot instead of me putting it out into the public. So click the link below if you're struggling with your dog and you want to support the No Bad Dog movement regardless and hang out with us uh, and do some fun stuff in the members club. And then again, at the end of the podcast, I'm going to be answering three of your dog training questions. So listeners, if you're listening to this and you want me to answer your specific dog training question, don't forget to go to the iTunes review chart, leave your review and your question in the review, and I'll answer it next episode. So let's get into it. But they've never gone that hard before and it was over a bone and i saw your thing about like a possession aggression or something feels pretty spot on okay yeah i mean um so is that the first time they really got into it that's the first time they oh you don't think so that they've yeah. thrown down happened before like it may happen so usually s smaller shorter you know things we can break up yeah. Or they growl at each other and we can stop it. 
I think the one previous to that was probably a year before. Remember, that was where we oh. didn't know not to just reach in and grab. Oh, the I got bit on the tricep. Oh, on there's, that one. there's two others. Three. Yeah, yeah, there's been three of them. Uh, and the the heels, the injuries from this last one are just that was a couple of weeks ago and uh, starting to heal. But there, I think all three of them are probably bone or toy related, mostly mostly bone related. Mm-hmm. But we're facing something that, and Rachel and I both have different opinions of significance <laughs> of this topic, uh, which is uh, we've, we've had lots and lots of dogs, I'd say more than a dozen, some of them uh, rescued, some of them were breeders, but over, you know, being together for 24 years or so, we were very much a dog family. Suki is unique in that she is insanely adorable and cuddly and loyal, uh, smart and loyal and you name it. And then she has this one like aggressive, we just joke and say she has like an aggressive mode or a, a DNA streak in her. When she grumbles from her chest or is, you know, it happens in the car barking, like she wants to bust through the window to tear apart somebody outside the car. It happens sometimes on the trails or when we're walking her, if another dog tries to grab her ball or stick, it happens. Uh, she has bit our daughter who's now 17, but over the last couple of years has growled and lunged a couple of times and then now has lunged off the bed about three or four weeks ago and bit her here on the shoulder. Like, let me give you a setup for that so you understand context. So, oh God, this is be embarrassing. We work a lot. So we hang out at night watching something random and on our computers and Suki's usually at our feet. They definitely have conversations where Willie's not allowed in there if, if Suki's on the bed. Um, but if our kids come in, you can tell Suki's like, get the fuck out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> Suki's like, uh-uh. So they, if they cross that threshold, she's now started lunging at them when they come in the room. It used to be when she was asleep and no. they'd wake up. Yeah, when you when you say lunging at them, you mean your daughter and my son. Sorry, there's two. There's two teenagers. They're both seventeen. They're kind. They've never done anything to hurt these dogs. That's for sure. Okay. And the dogs love them yeah. all the time. But Suki does that. I think possessive whatever thing. Okay. So we we took them through training in March. Uh, it was a uh, local. Yeah. Local, but it was a. Uh, sleepaway camp or whatever you call for dogs like board and train yeah and it was because well for one i was going out of the country by myself and these guys were home with the dogs i was a little bit worried that it could happen while i was gone and he was training primarily focused on suki but was training them both and so this and we learned some training tips on and it has gotten better it used to be when she was asleep and, and and anyone really would come around her, she would, you know, that would trigger something and that has actually gone away. But the 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 one that the version that Rachel just described is still there. And the latest scenario was probably a month or five weeks ago before the big dog fight, but she that this was the first time she left the bed. She literally jumped out of bed at our daughter who was standing kind of three feet away. Right here. And and you know that combined action. So my response was not having it. We've got to find oh, a better home for this dog. Get rid of Suki. Yeah. I'm still in the camp that 
I, I believe we can train her out of it, but it's going to take time. But in that meantime, something tragic might happen at a dog park with a kid out on the street or with our own family. We all have scars from her bites. And so it's not a small thing at all. Yeah. This is not just obedience training. This is like, for us, it's critical. So that's that Rachel, Rachel, all right, we're going to figure something out. That's when she found you and, and like, I'm calling Tom. we love her very very much and my observation is also that she looks like a leopard seal in terms of like full crazy and scary but she doesn't when i'm with her and i see other healer parents like out on a walk or something they observe the same thing of like i'm just going to make you stay away from me it's a lot of warnings but not biting um but jeff has had I, I think she's more protective over Jeff. I just thought of that this morning. Like we keep talking about when we take the dogs either for walks, because that's one thing we we are always on trails because there's trails everywhere around Boulder. Oh, it's way worse on a leash. Well, so they Suki especially has never been leash trained because we have always just tried to run her for a couple miles out on a trail. So she didn't have any structure or control or or constraints. So the last I don't know, four or five months, we, I, at least once a day, sometimes every other day, but usually I'm trying once a day to walk them to get them leash trained and then do the trail runs and things. But even this morning, um, and I was just realizing this, when Rachel takes them out places, she doesn't ever really have any issues with her. Every single time I take them out, I have problems. And this morning, a lady yelled at me. Um, to put my dogs back on a leash. They were off leash and they're off leash trained. They come back to us. But Suki had done her thing to this terrier and like put her on growls and tries to put him on the ground. Yeah. And my man got her off and then she came with me. And then the lady was running back a uh, half hour later, running her, her run with the dog on the leash now and and yelled at me ahead of the trail and said, can you please put it back on the leash? It's also Boulder. There's a lot of really helpful people out there. Yeah. On the- but anyway, there's, so there, I'm constantly, I'm super scared. Uh, she did it once and I felt so bad. I paid, she made a dog limp. And this is where Rachel's like, this is bullshit. Sorry for the language, but this is ridiculous. And I, Felt so bad. I called the lady and and um, they had a hundred dollar vet bill. They went and got an X ray and I was like, oh, we'll pay it. But it's it's at that point where if it were just that, that'd be one thing. If it were just our family, that'd be one. But it's okay. all these different. She's hard. Yeah. Yeah, I think overall, it, it just seems like Suki has too much too much freedom. There's too much power. There's too much. This is an edgy, pushy, drivey dog that has too much freedom to do what she mm. to do what she wants, and so she's not going to be like any other dog that you have. and And so I think that's the first thing is understanding that this is a dog that you you need to keep close and you need to keep under control because it can unravel pretty quick. All of the things that you've told me, um don't necessarily surprise me considering the lack of structure that she has. And so, I mean, that's the first thing I would say is this, like if we have a dog that's a repeated, you know, antagonist, a repeated, 
I'm going to do what I want to do. I'm going to be a little asshole. And, you know, and, it, and it's funny because, of course, I have the whole no bad dogs. That doesn't mean that dogs can't be jerks. <laughs> that just means simply just means that if there's a problem with a dog, it's probably your fault. But that doesn't mean that they can't be villains. Right. So it just seems to me just from everything that you've told me off the top of my head is like this dog has way too much freedom, way too yeah. much. So, yeah. That but by the way, we do have the beeper vibrate collars. No shock. Um, and if I put that on her in the car, she immediately, she stops. Mm-hmm. I put I'm with them because it's just me and they respond immediately. Right. And that's, that's common. I mean, dogs, uh, I mean, that's it, right? It's accountability. That's what that collar represents. Accountability. Mm-hmm. So anybody that says my dog, my dog listens perfect angel with this collar on or that leash on or when this is out, that just means that your dog listens with accountability, which is exactly the circle of life. That is balance. That is checks and balances. That is everything that we live ourselves personally, right? We have balance. Everything that we do, every single thing that we do, every hour, every 15 minutes of our life has balance, right? You want to take a nap, but you got to work at this time. You want to eat ice cream, and but you don't want to work out. Like whatever, like you can't have both. We don't live in that world. Our whole ecosystem with animals and as human beings is balance. You, you, it, you know, you got to choose your balance, right? So it's the same exact thing. So it makes sense, right? So if we put a collar on a dog that holds a dog accountable off leash and they listen like an angel, that just means that that's what you need in your life more of. You need more accountability and your dog will act like that sit more sustainably, more consecutively and consistently. Right. So anyway, uh, yeah. In order to get that control, we stopped. uh, They used to just be able to go out back. We have an awesome backyard and they would cruise around whenever they wanted. And so we stopped that. They have to ask to go out. We let them out for a little bit. We call them back in um, and the, the leash walk on purpose, you know, daily just to get them, you know, be able to give them the plans. But, um, so those are the two bigger things that we changed. And she can go to day. I, I will say the dog daycare was just about to kick her out for being a jackass. And she seems that she's okay now. She didn't get the third strike. Yeah. <laughs> Good. Yeah. I just think, Okay, so just like a couple things, like two, the two big things that you guys said was the end of the bed and, well, three, mm-hmm. th- three, three things: the end of the bed, um, the, the house, yeah, yeah, the the bone thing, and then yeah. you know the off leash, kind yeah. of like terrorism type stuff that she's doing, and again, like every single one of those things are avoidable by humans. Like, so let me let me just go through these things quickly. Again, like the off leash thing, I totally understand if if I was walking with my dog and I had this dog come up and pin my dog, I'd be pissed too. And yeah. I'd be like, especially if it was a bigger dog that ended yeah. the fight and now you're not getting your dog back, you're burying your dog instead. Like those are things that you have to really think about. And I know it's like, I'm, I, I try to give people the worst case scenario. Um, best case scenario for you guys is, is your dog blows past the other dog and doesn't care. The medium case scenario is, is the lady who had their dog pin comes up and says like, Hey, can you just, I just want to walk. Like, can you just get your dog back? Cool. And then the worst case scenario is, is your dog tries to do that with a Rottweiler and gets eaten. So there's that. But again, um, 
if you're not going to really micromanage that particular dog, then I wouldn't be exposing the people that are around you and your dog to that risk. Okay. And that's different from Willie because if if you're not worried about that stuff with Willie and I'm saying micromanage this particular dog, like with kids, it's the same yeah. thing. Like one kid, oh no, they're fine. They'll, you know, but then the other kid, you might have to be a little bit more on top of. So I just think like, there's that, you know, like, Hey, yeah. Suki's yeah. not that dog that we're just going to go let run around the park because Suki's going to go and herd other dogs around other dogs and other people are going to be like, what the hell is going on here? You know? So there's that like, but that's, that's completely avoidable on your end. So again, risk versus reward. But at the same time, realistically, I think it's inevitable that if you're, if you live in Boulder, Colorado, you're going to see another dog. So I just, I just think that, um, both, you know, I mean, head on a swivel for sure. When you go to places making sure, okay, there's no other cars here. I've been here a hundred times. Nobody's ever here. But also yeah. just making sure that if if she's the type of dog, like here's the thing is she is the type of dog where if you give her an inch, she takes three miles. And so if she's off leash and you can see her and you can kind of keep her in check, you're good. But the moment yeah. she gets out of sight and she goes up to other people is an absolute no-no. Like that's, we're not doing that because then you expose her to making mistakes. And again, again, going yeah. no bad dogs, right? So you have a dog that is pushy, uh, reactive, um, possessive, blah, blah, blah. And she's over there, like basically bullying these other dogs and pushing and barking and trying to start fights. And then maybe another person steps in to pick up their dog and now she bites that person. And now not only are you getting sued, but you also may have to get rid of your dog or put your dog down. So again, you have to say, it's not even, it's about training, but it's also about Suki is Suki. She's not Willie or the other dogs we've had or my neighbor's dog or whatever. This is a dog that is going to push boundaries and is going to find a job to do because of her breed. And so you just have to decide as a dog owner, I'm going to let her off leash, but she's not ever going to go out of sight. And if I see another dog in a person, Suki come, I'm going to leash her up until I pass. And it's not even like, don't think of, and I know you don't, I'm just talking out loud is don't think of it as other people shouldn't be so worried about my dog because she's really sweet. It's, and I know you don't, but it's more about, not flipping that coin when you're out for a walk with her. Like if you love your dog, don't go out and flip that coin up in the air and wait to see if it's going to be a good day or a bad day. Make sure if you go out and you're like, "Eh, I really don't trust her off leash with all these dogs or the potential dogs. Keep her on a flexi, keep her on a long line, keep her on a normal leash. If she she loses her mind because Willie's off leash and she's not, leave her at home. She'll have no idea what she's not seeing, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So you just have to make that switch and that decision. It's not hard. It's not a hard thing. I know it may be inconvenient. It mm-hmm. may be at very least, in my opinion, very inconvenient for you guys. But what I'm saying is, is if you can't keep, like she's a loaded gun in the dog world to mm-hmm. some degree. Some dogs are assault rifles. <laughs> some dogs are little BB guns, right? <laughs> she's a little BB gun that she's not like a deadly threat walking around trying to kill everything, but she is a dog that you have to make sure you control and you're safe with. And when you go out in public, you're you're dotting your T's and you're crossing your eyes or whatever and making sure that when you're out with her, Suki is under control. We so we can have her cake and eat it too. Suki's going to come out for a walk with this, but you either need to do more e-collar training or you need to keep her on a flexi or a long line or something 
that you don't, you can always know that that, that flip of a coin is going to land on your side. I'm not going to expose her to, to potential risks. I'm not going to do that to other people. I'm not going to do that to her. I'm not going to do it to her family. So there's that. I mean, that's just one of the things, but it's, okay. it's the same template for other things. So again, when we talk about different resource guarding things, or we talk about, when we talk about behavioral problems predicated off of one variable, if you, mm-hmm. if you can remove that variable and be a hundred percent successful or 95% more successful, I, there's no reason why you can't do it against the risk and reward thing. So you have a dog on your bed. So it comes down to this as dog owners. And I'm, I'm the same way. I'm a dog owner and I, we get selfish. I want my dog to be on the bed cause I love my dog and my dog is comfortable here. And then your kids walk in, your other dog walks in and she's just gatekeeping the front of the bed. And she's like, I'm going to kill you if you walk by. That's where you have to then advocate for your kids and your dog. Now, that's not saying that you don't when it happens, because of course I know that you do. But what I'm saying is, is do not put them in that situation by enabling her to make that decision. So we, if we're putting her on the end of the bed, we're tossing that coin up in the air. And I just think, again, if we can say, hey, you're not making good decisions, you're being a little jerk. So you're going to go in your crate next to the bed or you're going to go in your bed over here. But I just think the way that she's been manipulating the situation so far that she's going to just protect the room. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I think I think if you yeah. were to put her on a bed next to you, like you're, I'm just generally speaking, there's a bed, there's one of you on one side, one of you on the other, and then she's at the end. If you take her off and put her on one side and another dog walks in, I think she's going to do the same stuff. It's just not as accessible of her being at that kid's shoulder. So I think, again, my job is to be realistic with you guys and to eliminate as much unnecessary stress as humanly possible. And these are some insanely easy ways to start doing that. So again, same thing with the bones. You're going to, you know what I'm going to say about the bones? No bones. It's gone doesn't exist. And again, we have this selfishness, but my dog loves bone. I love giving my dog the bone. Da, da, da. But again, risk over reward, not worth it at all. There's ways to do it. Right. And that's what I'm, that's what I'm saying. So every single thing we just talked about the bone, the bed and the off leash, you go to an off leash area where there's nobody, your dog is off leash, having a good time. You pull your dog in, you leave. You want to give your dog a bone, put your dog in the crate, let him enjoy a bone, put your dog in the other room, let him enjoy the bone, take it away. Um, you want your dog in your room with you, put your dog into a crate, you know, on the side of the bed or something. But your dog is just, again, taking advantage over situations that gives you very minimal opportunity, timely wise, to correct the behavior when it happens. So when these things happen, you're in, you're in, um, uh, like you're in, uh, just repair mode. You're like trying to put out fires at that point. You're not trying to say, Hey, that was bad. Cause it's already too late. So be, be reactive. I'm sorry. Be proactive instead of reactive. So instead okay. of being like, Oh, I got to pull my dog off my daughter or I have to, you know, pull a dog off a random person's dog be like, okay, there's two things. Is there training that we can do obedience wise that can counter these things? And some of the things we're talking about, yes. 
Okay. The other, so the no's to that are going to be what you're going to have to do. Say, okay, if there's no training that's going to happen in this, and when I mean training, I mean obedience, behaviors, uh-huh. sit down, leave it out, etc. Then what else can you do as a dog owner to go around the problem? And that's uh, avoiding that situation. Like, I'm going to put my dog on a pedestal, and anybody that comes into this room is a target. So, okay, that's how you. Like that's where you guys have to step in and go, oh, that's how you want to handle situations. Well, now you've lost your privileges to 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 have that opportunity. So when you're in our room at the end of the night, because most humans have this wind down, dogs are so good on routines. They're so good. Yeah. I've I've learned over the last three months that my newborn son, they're also really good at routines. Like yeah. 10 a.m. on the dot, if if there's no milk involved, we're upset, you know. So yeah. my point is, is at night make this structure start to be a part of your routine to say, all right, again, like it's not your daughter, your son's, your other dog's responsibility to, to gatekeep the door. Like, can I come in? It's that shouldn't happen in your house. Um, so I, I just think that it should be more, okay, here's what we're going to do. I, I want to be fair to the dog. Um, but I also need to, advocate for my family so it would be we're going to work on the crate uh, out of the context of winding down so we're going to pull the crate out into the living room with some treats we're going to do a crate training routine with suki for a week and then at night the crate's going to go next to somebody's bed or in the corner suki's going to go in the crate we're going to shut the door and that's that's okay that is totally that is totally fair and warranted and everything will be fine that way and that's but again, it's the same thing. Like there's those three things that you said, in my opinion, are all uh, those particular things are all avoidable, like all human error. Can you help us with just walk through that again? So we have a something to try tonight. Yeah, uh, they so. do. They do have crates. They do sit. They don't sit very well, but I'm working on that. Um, and some of the basics, like laying down, sitting, like they, they do, they are good on those. But then they're in the, they're downstairs. Basement. And, uh, and so are, could you just run through that scenario at nighttime, usually around eight, eight, three is where that starts happening, but we usually don't put them away for the night until like 10, 10 30. So in those two hours, if we were to say, Suki's not on the bed anymore. We don't want to flip that coin ever. Where do we put her? Well, it's a good question. I think, again, the crate is a good spot. Like, you have to think, Here, here's here's the thing. In my experience, uh, not only from a dog lover, dog owner, and professional, we as dog owners have a hard time understanding the the benefits of the crate the crate is a guarantee of mm. nothing bad is going to happen when my dog is in this crate nothing bad is going to happen to other people but also most importantly nothing bad is going to happen to my dog that means again like if you have an aggressive dog or a dog that doesn't like people that comes over or my dog has stranger danger and we're about to have some contractors come into the house my dog is going into the crate for my dog's benefit Right, because if if I let Dan, Angelo, and Christina into my house to fix my stairs, and they walk in to do their job, 
not even thinking about you even have a goldfish in your house, let alone a dog. That's not yeah. that's not their responsibility. I'm going to take Suki. Suki, you're going to go in your crate. Here's a little bone to chew on, a little lick mat to lick some peanut butter on to stay busy. You're yeah. going to go in there until it's safe for you to come out. But again, it's it's for everyone's benefit. And, and I'm saying this because I think dog owners, and, and I'm not saying this is you, I just have to say this, just people think that the crate is this, well, they're woe is me. They're not going to like when my dogs, like when I, when we put dogs into crates, when taught the crate properly, they should have, they should go. It's like hitting the, hitting the sack after like a really long day, right? Like you, you fly in all over the place. You're tired. you you take a shower and you hit the bed and you're like, like it just boom, right? It feels good. That's how the crate should be. And it is for a lot of dogs. If it's this decompression, you're safe, you're good in here. Don't worry about anything. So I just think that again, this kind of ties in with Suki's control. Like she, she has too much room. She's making mistakes because you're allowing her too much space. And so at night, again, like say the wind down process after dinner and whatever is between eight and 10, then whenever you start to kind of congregate into the, into the bedroom would be in Suki's crated and Suki could be in the crate anywhere. Like it doesn't have to be in the room. It could be in the laundry room. It could be in the other room. It could be downstairs. It could be upstairs. It doesn't matter. Like Suki makes bad decisions and we love Suki. So we're not going to put Suki in that situation. Suki's going to go in the crate. Suki's going to get a treat for going in the crate. And then we shut the door and then we go to bed and it's, it's not this, well, Suki's going to not be in the room, but Willie is. And it's this whole thing. It's like, but Suki, Suki doesn't know how to behave in this context. This is not a good situation for this dog. So that's, that's how you would do. And then in the morning you would work on thresholds. So you would say, Suki stay, you'd open the crate door. You'd say, okay, break. And you'd let Suki out and, he, and then you just let him out back and let him do their thing. Um, so that's how I would do it. Like if I had, I had, I recently had a dog, a, a client's dog stay with me for the first time in my career. And I did it because, uh, my son was just born and I was technically off and I was losing my mind and I had to work and it was a small dog and it was a sweet dog. So I had no problem doing it. So I brought her in and she slept in, she slept in a crate in my room or she slept in a crate in my office, depending on how I felt her relationship is with my personal dog because mm. my dog is in my room every night and her bed and I'm not going to like, well, let's see if this works. I can't do That's not fair. I'm not going to, Hey, let's see if this works for this dog or my dog, or it's not fair. I'm just, I'm not flipping that coin. And that's why behaviorally, like in my YouTube videos, I don't, yeah. I typically don't flip coins. That's why knock mm. on wood. All I do is work with aggressive dogs for 15 years, seven days a week for usually 12 hours a day. And I'm, I got all my fingers and I have mm. not been in any situations that I've had to seek any medical help, knock on wood. So the reason that is, is because I double down on my instinct and I make sure that I don't flip coins. I'm like, if this is potential, like again, risk over reward. Well, the reward is, is this but the risk is somebody gets nailed and now we're in a really bad situation so anyway um that's you know and the same thing with like the bones like mm -hmm. those are not necessary 
and they only cause it's this. And again, um, I know the dogs love it, but I think we love giving it to them more, right? We're like, oh, my dogs are going to love these, but then you're getting this. But again, then the the risk is getting rid of Suki. How much do you love giving the bones to the dog? You know what I mean? So for me, it's a no brainer of like, Hey, you know, just anything with kids. Hey, you, you can't play nice. You're not playing at all. This isn't happening again. Like we're not going to Disneyland again. We're not, you know, Teddy's not sleeping over or whatever. Like, nope, you've lost that privilege. You did something deadly. We're not doing mm-hmm. that again. I'm not, I'm not doing that again. So it's, I just think from a dog owner's point of view, you guys are busy, right? You have lives of your own. And it's not like the dogs are fighting when you put them on leash to go outside. That is a necessity. That is something that their dogs need to walk. They need to be outside. They need yeah. to be with you. That's something that we can work through. But giving them a, a bone, you just, but there's ways to do it. I mean, like I said, I would crate them both, one in one crate, one in the other. They get their bone after an hour. We let them out. If the bones are still there, they're gone. But then you get into this, now Suki's got this towards you. So you literally put yourself. What's that? He heard you. <laughs> yeah, she's like no, she's like nobody. One ear. Yep. Growls like me in my house. Yep. So again, like I just I am I'm, I'm trying to empower you guys to make the decision to just cut unnecessary things off that only really benefit like us to a certain yeah. I mean they don't. You know, like I said, it would be different if it was this necessary, like they fight every time they're outside, they fight on the leash, they fight when we're in the car, you know, um, there's just certain things I'm like, Hey, you know, that thing that is causing you guys to have scars and like, you want to get rid of your dog that you love. Can you take that away? Sure. Then let's do that. That's just my opinion. Like, don't what, again, it's like risk over reward. You have to weigh out your options and just in my opinion if i had two dogs that fought over anything external like that they'd be gone mm-hmm. the toys i wouldn't do that does that make sense yeah uh the yeah. other thing the other thing i would start doing yeah like as a trainer if i was at your house is i would start to also start to like in my head i want to say peg down this dog a bit because I feel like she's got a lot of confidence. She has enough confidence to go after one of your kids on your bed in front of you. That tells me that there's like zero regard that you're there. Like zero. Like that's like punching your brother in the face when your mom and dad are standing right there. If you okay. do if you do that, that that then gives us such a clear message about how much you think about the the consequences of doing that. I grew up, I have brothers and sisters. I have a brother and a sister, I should say. And like, if I, you know what I mean? Like if I punched my brother or something, or if I like threw one of my sister's Barbies away at that age in front of my parents, that just, it's a really clear indicator of how much your dog doesn't care that you're there. Very, you know what I mean? Very opportunistic. So for me as a trainer, again, because she's kind of like, she's kicking, she's taking names and and kicking ass, you know, she doesn't, she's like, I'm going to do what I want. And so 
I, I think it's hard for dog owners because she is such a sweet, loving, docile dog when she's off, when she's yes. on her off switch, when she's on the couch, just being a cute dog. But when she gets up and she's like, I'm doing this and you don't have the ability to say, no, you're not. That's a, that's just a problem. And I think that that's where dog owners such as yourself have a hard time consistently working on thresholds and working on control is because maybe 80% of the time she's a couch potato. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Probably not, right? <laughs> yeah. And then the other 20% of the time she's running the show. And, and, and so I would be going over all of the, all of the basic thresholds. Basic thresholds are essentially testing your dog, telling them to sit and holding them accountable until you release them, telling them to stay, holding them accountable until you release them, walking up to doors, making sure you walk through until you release them, putting them in a crate, not letting them out until you release them, setting up these thresholds, however is applicable to your life. And just making sure that the dog is going off your word, not what they want to do. That's the first way to start, again, air quotes, pegging down a dog where they're like running the show. Um, but I would be doing that for a couple of days. And then I'd be going and testing these things out in these scenarios. I'd go into the bedroom, have some sort of accountability, like a slip collar, prong collar, a pinch collar. The reality is I was actually reading this um, interesting enough. Earlier I was talking to this client and she asked me about uh, rattlesnake uh, rattlesnake uh, deterrent like training. And essentially what it does is it works like an invisible fence where if a dog gets close to a rattlesnake, it corrects them because there's no positive reinforcement that's going to be associated with getting hit by a rattlesnake. They have to know that those are deadly things. And yeah. it's, but listen, here's the thing is it's the same exact thing with what you guys are dealing with. Like your dog biting your kids or somebody else's kid is a, is a death sentence. Potentially it just, you're just waiting for it to be that bad, you know, yes. or unfortunately you're going to wait until your friend's kids comes over and they bite the wrong person where they're not dog lovers and they're, they don't care. They've never had a dog. They, they don't like dogs. And now this happened and you have two decisions, you know, you either move and I've, and I'm saying this because I've just seen it happen to people. And so my, my point is, is by rolling this out into my analogy here is this is something as serious as a rattlesnake bite. And okay. it, you guys got to take it seriously that when your dog thinks about doing this stuff, you have to correct your dog in a way that's efficient enough for the dog to go. I don't want to do that again. So yeah, uh, it's, it's going to be uncomfortable for the dog, but that's the point, right? So yeah. using, because What's that? You do that before it happens. Yeah, right. Yeah, that's what I'm saying is it would be a part of training. So we'd put the and, – and again, like it, it could be a plastic pinch collar, right? So you're mm -hmm. going to snap the leash and the dog's going to say, hey, that was uncomfortable. And you're like, well, you know that thing that you just did, the growling? We're not doing that anymore. And every time you growl, this is happening, right? Ah. So it's it's timed perfect. So you would basically – again – lay down some ground. Here's how I think this would go. I came to your house. Uh, I put Suki on a plastic pinch collar, which is basically a hybrid between a prong collar and a slip collar. So it has controllable points of pressure. And mm -hmm. so when you're, when you're using a prong or you're using a plastic pinch, the, the reason why they have these, these prongs and these, um, 
these uh, jagged edges to them, not sharp, they're just like little teeth, is because yeah. when you pop that, it distributes the pressure evenly instead of one spot. So it's safer It's safer than like a flat collar. So if a dog right. pulls on a flat collar, there's no action, which means it's just, it's it maintains the same diameter. It doesn't pull in and out and you're getting one point of pressure. If you're using a prong collar, it's a safer collar to use because it has action. It goes in and out like this. So it's tightening as the dog does the thing that we don't want them to do, but it's tightening in a, in, in, in unity with like 20 different points of pressure all the way behind the dog's muscles. And so when you're doing that, it's safer. It's, it's coming up in unity. And so my point is, is I would this is what I'm saying is I feel like right now, if I were to get Suki and I'd put her into a sit and I reach for a door handle, she's going to, that butt is going to come up before my hand hits the door handle. And this is transferable to anything. So some people are like, no, actually she's really, okay. That's not, I'm talking about when I ask her to do something very simple that she knows well. And then I do something that she's like, okay, I'm out of here the correction or the accountability at that time is not efficient enough for her to make those decisions because her risk over reward is the same thing. She's like, worst case scenario after I run through this door is my mom or dad goes, Suki, get back here. See ya. <laughs> How'd you know? <laughs> uh, I know. It's like a it's like of yeah, I know. So so this is the thing, right? So it's the same exact thing for dogs too. They have this risk over reward thing. If they, it, it, and this is only applicable if the dog knows what we're asking. Suki sit, Suki sits. I go to reach for the door. Suki's like, okay, we're out of here. I would then correct the dog with a collar that actually holds the dog accountable. They go, whoa. And you go, hey man, sit. What am I, chopped liver? Like I, I, I asked you to hold my hand when we cross this street. If you don't, like this is a problem. Like you have to listen to me pay attention, you know? And so there's got to be some sort of accountability and some sort of correction in order for this particular dog to really snap out of everything is on their terms. And, and I want you to understand this isn't, this is for this particular dog. I'm not saying we're going to go out and get a cute little eight week old golden retriever puppy and ask them to sit. And if they don't, we're slamming them. Because oftentimes, and I know you guys don't think that, I'm just giving you context on just the society that we live in in today's era. When we talk about punishing a dog and correcting a dog and holding a dog accountable, unfortunately, it's blanketed at scale with the same type of training for every single dog that we talk about. So when I'm talking to you about your dog that has a bite history that you guys are on the verge of getting rid of, I'm talking about taking it very seriously as a two-year-old working dog. I'm not saying that we're going to be doing this with little tiny cute puppies that don't know any better. You know what I'm saying? So I'm, I'm just, that's a little side note. So yeah. my point is, is, hey, Suki, correction. There's consequences for not listening. Pop on the collar. They look at you like, what the hell? You go, yeah, no, this is serious now. And then I grab the door. I open the door, Suki, break. And then Suki can go out and run and play and be Suki. But that correction immediately will set the tone for, I'm serious about this. Like when I ask you to sit, this isn't, I mean, you guys have two teenagers. I don't have to explain to you how to do this, right? So same, but same thing. Once the dog starts going, oh, you're going to start, okay. Oh, well, I don't want to make these mistakes now. Then now there's punishment. Now the iPhones are getting taken away. The TikTok's getting banned. Like the, you guys are actually coming in and being like, no, you're not doing good in school. This is gone. You're not, whatever, whatever you guys, 
Whatever's the most important thing for you, you have to have some sort of accountability to some regard. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter if it's the stern, I'm disappointed in you, or it's taking away the iPhone or whatever it is. There's no difference with dogs, except dogs can't speak English and their actions can cause th- them their life a lot quicker than anybody, anything else that we live with. So once you start doing that around the house for a week, a couple of days, three or four days, then you go to the bed and just let Suki be a dog. Suki gets up there and then you use your, your kids as bait, <laughs> if you will. Hey, come on in. And then as soon as you get that, mm-hmm. gra- hey, boom, correction. Right? You say leave it, you pop the collar, you say we aren't that's inappropriate. We're not doing that. That's not acceptable. Right now, what's happening is Suki or it's patting on the hey, Suki, hey, knock it off. It's just Timmy or whatever. Or it's like that they don't they're not gonna be like, Oh, why didn't you say so? Like the dog knows who it is. They know what they're doing. And anyway, so the the bigger picture is accountability across the board, the bones, the off-leash stuff, the growling at the bed, but the the micro and the small little things are holding the dog accountable at those small levels. But again, personally for me, all right, Suki, you want to try to bite one of the kids that lives in the house? That's gone. Now you're in the crate. And then if Suki's, again, same thing, Jeff, we were talking about Suki's off-leash, Suki come, Suki's like, yeah, I'm going to go antagonize and terrorize this family first. That's it. Mm-hmm. So two things. All right, we got to work on recall. And then, yeah. and then, hey, you're off leash freedom, gone for a while until you can prove to me. Sound familiar, right? It's the same thing. It's the same yeah. thing. So I think that what you're dealing with isn't this holy crap, uh, what is going on? This makes no sense. Judging by her breed, she looks very healer, worky, drivey, you know, typey. So there's that. And then there's the accountability. Like right now, what is the word? Like, what is the biggest piece of discipline that this dog gets when she just goes out and does what she wants? It's going to be this verbal, like, Suki. She's going to be like, okay. Yeah. Okay, slap on the wrist, right? Let me keep robbing that bank. I'm stuffing money in my pockets, buddy. I don't care. So I think that if you guys start at a small scale, put her back on the leash. Like, okay, you're you're not you you're you're you haven't earned that freedom. You mm-hmm. haven't earned that freedom. So I'm gonna treat you as such. I'm gonna put you on the leash. I'm gonna work you on thresholds and sits and stays and um, recalls and all the stuff that we do. I'm once you prove to me that like, hey, you're starting to look at me, you're engaged with me, you're waiting on my cues without any leash pressure. Then that leash will start to come off. And then any situation that you feel like is just a test, like you guys are winding down at night and you're trying to chill out after a long day. The last thing I want for you guys to do is sit there and be on the edge of like, wait, don't come in yet. I gotta get, I gotta pay attention to Suki. Like. If Suki's going to try to go after anybody in your own bedroom, Suki's in the crate until Suki can make better decisions. Okay. So in that case then, so the crate will still be her safe place. Mm -hmm. It's not, it's not a punishment. Right. Okay. Cause what happens if she bites somebody, then she's gone or whatever. 
Okay. You know, I mean, and it's not even like, oh, the the authorities are going to come and take her. It's just like, you guys are going to have to make a decision. So you tell me if that's her safe place. To me, it is because I know she's not going to make a mistake in there. You know, no, I think what's the, the way you described it is like, I needed that though, too. If she, if Suki growls, we take her off the bed and put her in the crate. That sounds like a punishment in the moment because she doesn't get to be on the bed and she compares it and says, well, this sucks being in the crate. But what you said earlier was, let's do the crate training so she loves the crate. And it, and it's not just move her from the bed to the crate mm-hmm. in the moment, right? Yeah. Yeah, and also, too, just like, yeah, the answer is yes. I just think um, you, don't go- have you got, yeah, you guys shouldn't, you guys shouldn't beat yourself up over putting her into the crate because it's what are the the alternative is this and it's for me it's like tough tough cookies like when when yeah. I would when I would work in daycare my I have my own daycare and um, it's a great place to learn about dogs when you watch thirty forty dogs roll around with each other with lots of energy and all different ages, all different sizes, all different temperaments. You learn pretty quick to just grab a dog by their scruff and put them in timeout for 10 minutes because they're making bad decisions. Rather they're humping another dog and the other dog's getting pissed or, you know, they're doing, you you just have to be assertive, like tough cookies, man. Hey, that's it. Like what if your kids were doing something that was really bad for them and it was something that you can just take away like hey we're not going to leave this out anymore like this is up to us this is gone yeah but i really tough shit dude like it's not going to happen this this is on my this is on my plate like this isn't i'm not putting you into that situation so again it, i don't want you to feel like oh well suki'd rather be on our you know queen size tempurpedic it's like yeah but suki's also biting your kids <laughs> like don't don't beat yourself up over it it's not like this thing it's I, I personally i'd sleep better at night knowing that i don't have to worry about i don't have to worry about anything i don't have to worry about suki making a mistake i don't have to worry about my other dog who just wants to squeeze into the door to go to bed at night i don't have to worry about that dog getting nailed i don't have to worry about your kids coming into the room i just think you guys have to say hey this is getting a little out of control and you have to add you have to advocate for every single person in your family including suki suki's making mistake after mistake after mistake after mistake and at what point are you just gonna like you know, like if you gave Suki away, Suki's going to do this somewhere else and then eventually just end up in the shelter and then eventually doomed. Exactly. And so like you can just say, hey, if I, you're in the crate, that's it. And then if Suki drives you nuts and cries all night or scrapes or whatever, the crate's in a different room. Like you don't, 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 okay. don't, um, suffer. Yeah. <laughs> Cause this isn't this like Suki's got a good life living in Boulder, Colorado with you guys like chilling. Suki's fine. Suki's making bad decisions. Suki's going to go in the crate. I don't want to say it has to be forever. I just feel like Suki's going to be the type of dog. That's, I think this is a very deep routed Mm. problem of like who's in control and who's not, which comes back down to the basics on the leash, which you have to work on. But, um, yeah, those are some layers. I mean, you can start tonight. Like Suki's not yeah. sleeping with us. But we will. Bad decisions. Yeah. Bad things happen when this happens. And if you can control that very, like you listen, you guys are lucky because 
there's a there's a good amount of people that I work with that don't have the privilege to find the exact variable. Mm, yeah. Their dogs just bite people randomly walking up the stairs in the car walking into the room when you get out of the shower their dogs just go up and bite people neurotically and then they have to make a tough decision like yeah your situation is so controllable it's not even funny like you have every variable listed out for you every single one of these things ding 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 suki's gonna do it's like hey can i take some of those away you can take all those away and then you get Then you have your cake and eat it too. You can have both those things. That feels good. Yeah. yeah that feels good. Can I ask you one more question? I wonder, does it, I, uh, when I see people coming, trying really hard, even Ollie, I'm trying really hard, hi baby, to not get worried because I, I, I worry that my worry is going to make her worse. Mm-hmm. Is that silly? No, it's true. Okay. No, it's true. It's just like, again, like this kind of goes back that you guys almost need like two sessions, you know, like it, this comes back down to creating a better relationship with your dog via the leash. Yeah. So your, your leash is your communication with your dog. Okay. So that's your language with your dog, right? There's affection, okay. there's language, there's communication, there's boundaries, there's all these things, but the majority of the structure comes from the leash. This is your this is your on and off break. Like, yes, no, yes, no. And I think you guys should get back down to square one with building a better relationship with this dog to yeah. to just like have more control. Because again, you're looking at a exterior problem. Mm-hmm. that can be solved at its core by fixing the actual problem of confidence with you and her. So yeah. if I were to tell you, hey, I'm going to help you handle her, put your shoulders straight, stop looking down, stop talking to your dog, breathe and walk forward, and you practice that, you're going to mm-hmm. be less anxious and less stressed with her, but you need you know, you know, need to spend more time doing that. Because right now, if you're going out in fix-it mode and just praying that she doesn't react to somebody, you're constantly like holding on you're just holding on and waiting for her to react when really she's with you you're not with her you don't you shouldn't go out with like all right what kind of shenanigans are we gonna get in today it's like hey it's a beautiful day i'm gonna go for a walk my dog's gonna come with me my dog is gonna behave herself you know people get into this like whole thing you know it's not this whole thing they're animals like they are so keen on human body language and human like behavior like if you're sitting there and you're like okay suki we're gonna go get the leash we're gonna go to your favorite park we're gonna load up and we're gonna be a good girl today because what are we we've been training we've been good we're not gonna see any dogs we're gonna be a nice girl we're not gonna like she's going like okay this is not good this is not gonna be good rather you just go find the leash you find Mm. your dog you put it on her and you walk out the door and they're like, Oh, this is what we're doing. So there's, there's a lot to, yeah, yeah. there's okay. a, there's a lot to it. You know, it's, it's not, it's, it's easier said than done. But if I were to say like the biggest thing is, is just take away the problems if you can, which you can, 
And then just understand that a lot of this is caused from your relationship and things can get a lot better for you guys if you focused on your leash relationship, which I have, luckily for you, I have over 700 videos on YouTube that are, you know, yeah, they're absolutely for free to get you to go check out and they're you. They're you guys. There's somebody coming in that says, like the last one I just posted, it's great. It's kind of, I think it's titled like uh, the harness created a, a dog training nightmare or something. They came in uh-huh. with a fearful, reactive dog that bit somebody that came into their house and they had no idea how to handle this dog. None, zero. They were like, yeah. we, we love this dog, but we don't know what the hell to do with this thing. And I started from scratch and I changed this dog's whole life and I changed this dog owner's whole life right then and there and they forever will be a different better team so i just go watch like things like that the other dog that's on there queenie she's a dog that had fearful reactivity she's like this big uh, american bulldog uh white dog and um same thing yeah yeah so those are all development things like that you should be watching and studying and be like oh that's me change that okay tell me the name of that plastic again it's a plastic it's a star mark plastic pinch collar you can get them on amazon or chewy just get two sizes uh, i mean get two smalls they sell them okay. in two different sizes a large and small just get two smalls and then you can put them together and make them bigger or smaller oh okay awesome yeah. okay okay good luck guys thanks tom good luck with the baby thanks bye 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 All right, you guys, you know what I'm going to say. You've reached the end of the podcast. Thank you for listening. We're going to get into three of your dog churning questions. Let's get into it. The first one comes from Stephanie Kim, it looks like. Love your podcast and I need help. Hey, Tom, I'm so glad I found your podcast. Everything you say makes so much sense. We have a 12-month-old, so a year-old rescue mix. We were told as Hound Beagle, but we are a family of six with four kids, 15 and under. Chase, our pup is so well behaved when it when it's just the two or three of us <clears throat> when we are all home he jumps and uses his mouth to play way too much usually with my son who is 10 and doesn't pay attention to any commands or food his bite is getting stronger and we can't get him to calm down i really don't think it's out of aggression i just want him to play but i don't want him to play too rough uh, we have left the room stood up and he still comes back what can we do it's a great question stephanie you got to correct them with the leash. That's going to be really helpful. Put the leash on them. Get the little ones to run around and have some fun. Let him have fun. And when you feel like the behavior or the way that he's playing with the kids is, is starting to get too rough or inappropriate, that's where you're going to say, uh, leave it. And then you're going to correct the dog. Or you can say off. So what I would do is have a very strong off command so the dog doesn't jump at all. And then you can have a leave it if he then starts to nibble and he's on the ground. So right now what you're struggling with is what a lot of dog owners struggle with, which is uh, uh, accountability. So you hear this a lot in this podcast. My dog is doing this. My dog is doing that. My dog is doing this. My dog is doing that. I'm like, what are you doing about it? Like, uh, this. I'm like, is that working? Nope. Or we're not doing anything. So I know you're looking for answers and that is your answer. Let the kids run around. Kind of follow the dog around a little bit. Once the dog does something you don't like, it's going to be off or down. Or I'm sorry, not down. Down's a different behavior. And then you're going to just enforce it with just a slip leash, just a quick pop. So good question. <clears throat> Next question comes from 
Pat Rod One. Love your podcast and all your social media. They have helped me so much with my dogs in the past. I have had easy dogs and always able to train them on my own, but the foster I failed with. The catch is, is he's leash reactive and redirects on me, my female boxer, when she sees a trick. Okay, so the catch is, is he's leash reactive, redirects on me and his other dog when they see a trigger. Over time, I have found that he is okay if walking in a neutral area like a park or somewhere that is not our neighborhood. I feel like it's not completely me, but not sure why he thinks he needs to step in and take care of the home or walking in the neighborhood. What can I do to help it get under control? Uh, We use a Hermspringer collar. Not sure if that's a part of the reason he redirects because when I correct him, he also gets reactive if someone outside of our Pat comes into personal space. Um, I'm able to correct him and put him into place command most of the time. Yeah, I'm able to correct him and put him in place command most of the time. But I, if I'm on a call and do not catch him before he gets before he gets crazy, what I call crazy eyes, it's hard to stop him at that point. I need to put the slip leash on him and snap him out of it. What am I doing wrong? Could be a couple things. Is I would start working with him uh, without the other dog first and foremost. That's the best thing um, that I would do is just get away from the other dog because the other dog is just going to be stressed about it anyway. It's not fair. And then I would uh, listen to the podcast that I put out. Um, what is it? Last episode. Uh, not the training and raising working dogs. The one before that. That's the. That's this. That's the one I would listen to. It's episode. Let me see. It's going to be. Oh yeah, no, actually, it's going to be reactive, rescue German Shepherd owner at the end of her rope. It's episode one forty five. That goes over really tuning up the dog. So basically, what you need to do is you need to break down the build before it gets too crazy. So right now you're basically the, it sounds like the dog is building. And then once you get close enough and the dog starts to go really crazy, then you correct the dog with the prong collar, which basically pisses the dog off and then redirects. Um, that's probably what's happening. Uh, the other thing in the future that you might want to do, and I would highly suggest either joining the members club to ask the trainers some of these questions um, or doing an online with me to go through it with me. But this is kind of like a a little bit more in depth question, but e-collar work would be really helpful as well. It can be really helpful for dogs that are redirective because uh, some dogs who are redirective are doing it because the physicality of the correction, the physical correction of the prong makes the dog ticked off and turns around and bites anything near them. But if you're using like a pager or vibrator or something like that, it could be really helpful to decrease that. But it's something that <clears throat> takes a little bit more time to kind of go over. So that's what I would recommend is, uh, yeah, start setting the dog up for more success by bringing the dog out by um, uh, without the other dog, working on that. And then over time, I think that that'll be more helpful to kind of just focus on the problems, but also decrease the build and any of my podcasts on the the reactivity blueprints will be really helpful for you to uh yeah get through that all right next one neon volts five-star review 
<clears throat> Thank you so much. Tom and the No Bad Dog Army, whoever listens to this podcast, if you haven't subscribed to his Instagram and YouTube, you need to ASAP. Thank you. I recently adopted two puppies from a shelter, a kill shelter, and I've been working with them on the weekend when I'm off work, one of them being a German Shepherd Lab, Belgium Malinois Mutt. They weren't sure, and the other being Mastiff Borbul. The Mutt needs a lot more training and attention desperately. She's a handful and always barking, trying to protect the property. <clears throat> Alert alerting me when anybody's passing and chewing up the sprinklers at night. I've worked with her during the day, teaching her sit, stay, down, leave it with the remote collar and slip leash, but I haven't had any luck with when they come on. I haven't had any luck when they come on? I don't know what that means. I figured it was because, oh, maybe the sprinklers, maybe uh, maybe that's what it is. When they come on, I figured it because she was she was a working breed and she wants to prey on them. I've left without options what to do with her. I've sprayed her six or seven times, considered board and train, group lessons, but I'm not sure. I think if it's just the sprinklers, I would be using the pager on the remote collar. And of course, I know that if you're an avid listener or follower of mine, you didn't get a cheap collar that doesn't have a good pager. The pager on my dog tour, Tom Davis 280C, is pretty significant uh, vibration. And I would be working on a strong leave it when she's doing that and correcting her with the pager. Uh, that's my answer to that. I think that would be really helpful. Um, so yeah, that's it. All right, you guys, thanks for listening. As always, I will talk to you Wednesday, Mondays and Wednesdays. That's the podcast schedule. See you then. Save big on brunch for mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.